everyone, welcome to the White Water Podcast. This is episode two. This month, we're having a drink with our brewmaster, Sean Goddard. To give you guys a reminder, this podcast is all about making connections, connections between people, stories, everything we do outdoors, and bringing it all together in one easy listening, easy watching podcast just for you. What you can expect is conversation about beer, gin, amazing food, sustainability, outdoor activities, and much, much more. So, without further ado, let's bring in our special guest, brewmaster, Sean Goddard. Say hey, Sean. Hey, Sean. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, without, uh, before we really get into things, let's uh, fill our glasses up. As you can see, we've already been uh, having a small beer in preparation, but uh, why don't you tell us what we're going to be drinking today? Sure. I think we're going to start off with uh, our espresso IPA. It's called Jacked Rabbit. Uh, it's uh, we have beer that we've never brewed on a large scale, and we did it for the first time in this four-pack we released for Christmas. So it'll be, uh, be nice to dive in and see how it's tasting. Yeah, this is our Whitewater collection available out on our retail store on our website and uh, in the LCBO, but um, it is a four pack. And like Sean said, Jack Rabbit is exclusively available in this uh, collection. And it is an espresso IPA. I think it was our second ever season. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Second or third, uh, anyway. Okay, so let's fill these up. And while we do this, Sean, why don't you tell us a little bit about this beer? Sure, so um, the beer itself, uh, the, I guess the distinguishing part of it is uh, the espresso that we use in it. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's meant to be a pretty straightforward, uh, more malt-driven IPA. So it has a lot of hoppy characters. It has a, a good bit of balancing bitterness, uh, but it has enough uh, space in those flavors to allow the coffee to come through uh, on, a, on a fairly aggressive level. Uh, the whole point of the beer itself was to allow the espresso to be the star of the show and not have the IPA uh, kind of overtake it. I, I'm not sure how many you've had, but I've had so many flavored IPAs over the years. and. Uh, Sometimes they just miss the mark on, well, you know, you added this thing to that beer, be it fruit, be it spices, be it those type of things, and you don't really end up tasting those. It's just kind For of sure. an IPA with a little bit of something in the background. So Yeah, I think one thing we've always really prioritized is when you're adding something to a beer, we've tried to really make it an espresso, in this case, an espresso IPA. For sure. So it's still an IPA. You still 100% know it's an IPA. And you get the flavor of espresso to come through. For sure. It's not suddenly a coffee beer and all you taste is coffee. Exactly. Because um, that would be a coffee beer, right? Right. <laughs> or really, the really opposite have to make where sure. you can't taste that other flavor coming through. Well, that's it. You have to make sure that you're really, it, it, especially when it hits the market side of things, you don't want to have confusion, right? You want to make sure that when someone drinks it, like when you drink this beer, you're like, yes, I taste espresso and it's an IPA. Yeah. It's a winner, right? So. Um, so why don't you give us a quick run through of the specs on this very quick one? Sure, yeah. So it's uh, it's it's a little bit of a higher ABV beer than uh, we normally brew on on that, on that level. Um, the the coffee itself 
adds a little bit of bitterness as well. So it balances off, but uh, yeah, the beer comes out at uh, 7.2. Yeah. And uh, and it says 92 IBUs, and I think that sometimes people, when they see that high IBU content, um, they're always thinking like, oh, this beer is going to be so bitter and in my face. Uh, but because actually the coffee almost like mellows out with its own bitterness, it actually doesn't come across as too bitter to right. your palate. Um, yeah, so the beer the beer pours kind of you know an amberish color, um, and it has uh, obviously a nice a nice thick rocky head. I think the people that can actually see the video will see how nice the head is, but. Uh, the people that can't see the video obviously have to go buy it and find that out themselves. So yeah, if you're <laughs> listening on wherever you listen to your podcasts, uh, like Sean said, it's a nice amber color, um, so a little bit darker than lots of the modern day IPAs. For sure, um, all of the sort of juicy, light colored IPAs. Um, but yeah, I actually find that the coffee really mellows out some of the bitterness, um, which is why we cold brew it, right? Exactly, yeah. And then the, the big part of the cold brew side of it is so that we're not getting a lot of those astringent flavors. I'm sure any of the people that uh, are big into teas, they understand, you know, you don't add boiling water to tea. That's right. kind of not how you make tea because you're going to grab a lot of those astringent flavors out of those tea leaves themselves. It's almost, it's the same idea with the coffee where we want to get all that nice, rich coffee flavor out of it, but we don't want to have those astringent flavors that yeah. overheating it will do. So. so for those of you that are not familiar with cold brewing, it's literally adding cold water to coffee beans or tea. Yeah. Um, what that means is you have to do it for a lot longer. So we do this for about 18 hours, but you get an amazing coffee full body flavor without that astringency. For sure. Um, so it's a really cool dynamic. It's the best way to drink coffee in my mind, cold brew it, then heat it up. But I don't have 18 hours to make every cup of coffee. So. Yeah, I think the people in the world that do drink coffee probably want their coffee a little quicker than that. I guess you could go almost a full 24 hours in advance, but I don't know how many people are going to make coffee the day before <laughs> for, for the next person. And it also was a lot of the, I guess, the difficulties when it came to making this beer because it was the first time we had made this beer on a large scale. And when you're trying to make, you know, 6,000 liters of product, it's really hard to figure out, like, well, how much coffee are we going to put in this? Right. Right. So um, it was it was pretty fun watching them. Uh, Basically, because we, we need a coarse ground on it, so we grind it ourselves. Yeah. It was fun watching them grind, you know, 16 kilograms of espresso beans yeah. <laughs> to make sure they were ground exactly like we needed them so that they weren't overground, right? Which so. is crazy because <laughs> rewinding, like I say, this was our second or third ever seasonal before Sean actually started with the brewery. It derived from my love for both hoppy beers and coffee. I was like, great, let's put those two things together. Um, I was bored here on a Saturday, I think in October, November, no customers coming in. And <laughs> what do I like to make in a beer? Um, and went with this, but uh, I used to do it with a few hundred grams of coffee. Now we're in kilograms and for sure uh, on a much bigger scale. Yeah. So the way I want to start all of these podcasts, we've already diverged off my list of what I meant to be doing. Um, <laughs> but uh, is doing quick fire questions with all of our guests. So Sean, we're going to get into a quick, quick fire session. I'm um, nervous. I'm nervous. I don't yeah. even know what to expect. I don't now. know what I'm going to ask. That's for sure. <laughs> um, let's get into it. First question. Favorite part of the brewing process? Uh, it would probably be fermentation. Fermentation. Yeah. Okay. Favorite WC beer, current or all time? It's always been Westing Passage. 
Whistling title. Yeah. Favorite non-WBC beer? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I think my go-to is normally either Octopus Wants to Fight or Ransack. Okay, so IPAs. IPAs, always, yep. yeah. Favorite gin cocktail? Um, gin and tonic. Definitely, definitely like gin and tonics. Yeah, classic. Favorite outdoor activity? Uh, it's probably hiking. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. I thought after the last couple of years, you were maybe going to say golf. But, uh, it's true, but I think that uh, golf, golf, I just ca- I consider it more of a sport yep. than it is like a kind of, you know, an outdoor social activity. For sure. Right? And I mean, I know you've always been into hiking, so that yeah. makes sense. Netflix show of the moment or Ooh. alternative streaming service. Um, I've actually been really into 60 Days In right now. And it's a okay. show where they go to prison for 60 days. It's, it's pretty It's pretty fun. Like a like a reality kind of show? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Favorite recipe to make at home? I don't know if it's beer or food, but let's go with both. <laughs> favorite beer recipe to make um, at home? And favorite food to make at home? Yeah, sure. So uh, favorite food to make at home would definitely be Asian-inspired dishes. Uh, something that has, you know, a noodle type dish mm-hmm. that uh, my wife's vegetarian, so easy to kind of go meat non-meat and have a dish for the whole family. Yep. Um, favorite beer to make at home, ironically enough, is just going to be more IPAs because I'm making beer at home. So. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Got to fill uh, your tap system with some uh, IPAs. Uh, bucket list goal. Ooh, bucket list goal. Big one. Yeah, I think that... Uh, I think that right now my bu- my bucket list goal for me on a professional level is probably getting a beer that is a little more world renowned. I think that's that's a big bucket list goal for me. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Get some uh, beers entered into some world brewing awards. That's right. Yeah. 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 yeah See absolutely. if we can get some world cups in at some point in my 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 career here. I like that one. That's awesome. Who do you admire and why? asking all the hard yeah, questions. We we're really going deep, deep and meaningful. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's a hard one. Um, I would say that if I was going to pick one person, um, it would probably end up being um, uh, a guy I know named Barry. So a guy I know named Barry, he actually was the one that taught me how to all grain brew. Um, but for a, a person that has been brewing as long as he has, he's been home brewing since the seventies. Um, and for someone to stick with it for that long and, you know, be a beer judge and, and consistently just be pro, you know, craft beer and beer related. It's just something I respect a lot about him. And it's, it's hard nice. to keep that going for, you know, 30, 40 years. Yeah, right? absolutely. So it takes some dedication for and, sure. uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Awesome. Thumbs up for Barry. Okay. Final question. Another deep and meaningful one. Favorite board game? <laughs> Ironically enough, it's got to be Risk. Risk. I think that nice. I, I very much okay. like long, intense board games, and yeah. I think that, you know if it's not ending friendships, yeah. it's not worth playing. It's just well, that's where I'm at with it. So <laughs> this is great news for me because that's probably my favorite. Nice, game. nice. So well, gotta, now we know where we got to go, yeah, right? We gotta so, get a company so. Risk. Yeah. So. so when you see my termination, it's probably because <laughs> I beat Chris at Risk, and he just didn't want to tell anybody about. So. Yeah, world domination, <laughs> termination. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so that was quick fire with Chris. We're gonna get away from quick fire now, sure, um, and into more of your story with brewing and whitewater. So, sure. why don't you tell us how you got into brewing generally? Sure. Um, I'm guessing so, Barry's gonna. Yeah, he'll come in the story at some point. 
Um, so um, I'm guessing probably like, you know, like 12 years ago-ish. Um, I didn't really drink beer much. I think that my go-to beer was Carlsberg. And I think that was because it was the only beer that didn't give me a headache. I very much, uh, uh, a lot of, uh, I don't know if it's the sulfites or whatever ends up being, but a lot of preservatives they use on the macro side of things that affect me greatly. And, and I've, I've known, I know now why, because I have such an intense palate. Mm-hmm. And I'm very susceptible to a lot of flavors and aromas and those type of things. So I actually used to just drink a lot of whiskey. That's just that was my kind of my go-to. It'd either be you know whiskey with a splash of ginger ale, or you know even just whiskey and water, uh, whiskey on the rocks, those type of things. Um, a couple of years later, I had met my now wife, okay. and uh, she, I guess, was into beers. But I, I had not known at the time. And uh, oh, excuse me, that's what happens when you drink with your pal. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so on our, our second-ish date, we went to her cottage, which is in uh, Horton here, so it's not that yeah. far from here. Um, and, uh, you know, we were having fun, and she was like, hey, do you want to drink a beer? And I'm like, yeah, I'll have beer. It's, you know, you don't want to say no, even though I didn't really drink beer at that time. And she came out with a bottle of uh, Chimay Premier, which is the red-labeled bottle yeah. and the 750 mil bottles. And uh, I'm like, oh, my God, this girl, she's going to give me some sort of weird, like, barley-based <laughs> thing, and it's going to taste horrible. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna have to pretend though. It's got a cork in it. Like, what beer has cork in it, right? Like, it just makes no sense. Um, so she cracked it and we drank it. And I'd never tasted anything like that in my entire life. I was like, wow, this beer is is very full. It's 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 got a nice body on it. It's you know huge and fruity and in your face. And it's nine percent. I've had two glasses. I'm already drunk. This, this is great. This is awesome. This is great. Yeah. It's it's you know you're not you're not you know drinking fifteen Coors Light and being like yeah I have a headache I'm gonna go home now right so um, so that was kind of the start of my beer journey. Where um, over that next six month period, she had had different beers and it kind of got me into buying different beers. And then uh, after that six months, I was like, this is really interesting. And I'm, I'm very, I can be very OCD and when it comes to hobbies. Uh, when I get into something, I dive in really, really far. And uh, I realized that buying all that beer is very expensive. <laughs> yep. And I was like, okay, well, I'm spending too much money here. So um, my, my wife now, who wasn't my wife then, she actually bought me a little kit for Christmas. And I was like, okay, I'm going to make beer. And, my, and one of my good friends, Eric, um, he wanted to start brewing beer as well. Yeah. So he lives in Peterborough. I live here. We'd actually, we'd actually brew and just chat and talk back and forth and started that brewing process. Um, from there, I realized, like, okay, like, I suck at this. So I'm doing something wrong, right? And as the most <laughs> first-time home brewers. For sure. For sure. Having, um, having and then I'm like, well, there must be an avenue. Right. So uh, from there, I actually uh, I did search on the Internet. I found uh, uh, a group called the Members of Barleyman, which is a huge homebrew club yep. in Ottawa. Um, at that time, I think they had four to five hundred members already. Uh, they're probably well above 800 now. It's funny because uh, just to interrupt you, though, yeah. when I started trying to start the brewery, all I kept hearing about was the mob mm-hmm. and the mob. And I was like, is this some kind of biker gang equivalent to the brewing <laughs> industry? <laughs> For no, sure. members of Parliament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and so I'm like, okay, well, let's let's join this, right? So, um, it's it's a different, it's a very old school type of forum where they run a mailing list, cool. right? So it's all email based. There yeah. is no forum. There's no real moderators. Like they have some people looking, but it's really just a free for all, and people really just go on there and post whatever they want, and it's very it's very social and it's awesome. So went on there being like, hey guys, I don't know how to brew, like. What should I do? Where should I go? You know, had a yeah. conversation with a bunch of people that I'm actually still friends with today. And we talk, you know, fairly often over, you know, either on the list or via text. And uh, that came up with uh, that came up with this guy named Barry. Um, so this guy named Barry is like, hey, man, like, just come to my house. I will show you. 
Nice. And I'm like, okay, I, I don't know this brand. Yeah, a little creepy, but, but sure, why not? <laughs> but he's only like five minutes from my house, so like, why would I not try this, right? So um, ended up going to Barry's house, and uh, from there, you know, he's like, oh, we'll just make all grain. Like that's that's the way to go. And and, and knowing a bit of that side of it, and, and not really delving in too much into the, the brewing side, I'm like, okay, let's do that. Like I can buy barley, I can do all this, and you know, and it was basically did an extract batch the first two times I did it, but I did steep some grains into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, this one was like, no, we're not doing any extracts, just all grain, and we're brewing in his, his, his garage slash driveway. And uh, I think the first beer that we made together was a Hefeweizen. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's a big yeasty flavored thing. Obviously, because of the Belgian beers before, it really influenced me in that sense of just loving how beers can taste so complex and it is just yeast character, right? right. It's, it's, it's really not packed full of hops. Well, that's it. It's exactly. different yeast that's coming through. Exactly. And then like the, all those esters and that, that's like probably why I said fermentation is probably, you know, my favorite part of brewing yeah. because it's, it's something you dive into a lot. Right? And that's one of the errors, like not to digress, but it's one yeah. of the errors people really don't realize, or a lot of people don't For realize, sure. I didn't used to, Yeah. Uh, an area or an ingredient that makes such a big difference in flavor it does, is yeast. It yeah. doesn't just create the alcohol, it really flavors it a bit. For sure. Um, I was watching something on fermentation a long time ago, or maybe I was listening to a podcast, it was one or the other. They were talking like, well, we could just make like barley extract and add vodka to it, and that's beer, right? And, right. and it was proving how that wasn't because you just you don't get that beery flavor yeah. without yeast fermentation. And yeast right. fermentation is a huge part of beer. Yeah, it's you, not you don't just have pure that. alcohol. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because uh, you know, if you if you think of it in a layman's term, it's like, well, why can't I make this, you know, malted barley liquid, yeah. add alcohol to it? Right. There's beer, right? Yeah, but, uh, there we go. but but it's just it's it's it you need that fermentation to really like the way I call it, like the beery flavor of beer can't happen without that fermentation. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, so um, brewed with Barry. Um, he taught me some things. Uh, went home, was like just driven. Um, I think I filled half of my, my room I had with malt. I, uh, I used to get these pails. I used to actually get them from the wine surplus. So like the wine must that yep. they would use, they'd sell the pails afterwards right. for like two bucks. Right. I think I had like 30 pails of malt. And like every malt you can think of imagine, more malt than we hold at the brewery right now. Like yeah. every variety and kilns and roasted and all this stuff. And and then I just went in hard. I bought I bought a fridge. I bought four taps to go into that fridge. I got all the kegs for it. I started, you know, pouring draft at my house. Um, there was a point where um, when I had, uh, well, when Carrie was pregnant with our first daughter, um, there was a point where I was brewing every week to the point oh. where, I loved brewing more than I loved drinking, drinking it. The beer, yeah. I would literally dump kegs out yeah. so that I would have free so kegs so I could keep brewing, <laughs> right? And and, and, and I, I converted this massive... Because if you're uh, brewing it every week, like maybe no even multiple kegs, For sure. there's no way you're going through that one. Well, and, and as you know, like when you when you start getting a little bit older, right? Like the, you're not you're not out all the time. You don't have people at your house 24-7. Yeah. And I'm sitting there like, I have 80 liters of beer in kegs right now. <laughs> If I drink all this, I'm an alcoholic, so yeah. I can't do that side of it. And, uh, you know, I would invite people over. We used to have a board game night, and I would tell them, like, do not bring beer to my house. I have all the beer that you need yeah. here. Um, but, yeah, so uh, so I was brewing brewing like crazy, and then uh, we had our first daughter. And by that time, I probably had, like, a couple hundred batches under my belt at that point. Um, it was also the time I started submitting some of these beers to like uh, homebrew competitions, right? Yeah. And, and they were being well received. Uh, I think uh, right around the time that I, I realized I think I'm, I'm actually good at this was uh, 
I won a medal in uh, the Ales Comp. So the Ales Comp is uh, out west, okay. um, but it's the largest homebrew competition in Canada. Cool. Um, I know the members of Barley Mint uh, are trying to get there as well, but the Ales Comp is probably one of the big ones, and uh, I won it for a Belgian beer, no surprise. Um, and that was when I was like, I like this. I want to do this, right? And, uh, and you know, my, my wife at that point in time was like, if you talk to me about brewing one more time, <laughs> I'm leaving you. Because it was just, it just consumed me. It's just every, everything I did. So right? I'm just thinking now, like, that was when you were doing it for a hobby. For sure. For sure. Um, it's funny, though, that now that I do it for a living, I have that avenue now. Right? Right. I literally, I don't bring a lot of, like, the, the technical yeah. brew talk home anymore you because I have an avenue, right? I get to talk to my employees about that every single day yeah. and geek out with them and, yeah. and, and, and go that side of it. Um, so, yeah, so um, from, from there, um, I had our first kid. Um, Carrie was working uh, with the government on contract at that point. She was only home for about three and a half months for her maternity leave. Okay. And then she had to go back to fulfill her contract or she would have lost her job. Having right? just so, been through that, that's a really short time. It is. It, it's a very short time, right? So um, me being, you know, devoted dad, always have been. It's, it's you know, my, my life right now is literally like it's, it's, it's beer and fear in my family. Those are my only yep. two things. I, I don't really care about much about anything else. Um, Could like, be worse priorities than that. For sure. And, uh, and so I'm like, no, like, I'll take the parental leave. Like, I'll take the nine months that needs to be. I'll stay home with the kid. I'm fine with that. Like, I'm super excited to get her to at least walk so that she's not just kind of like a lump that I can't do anything with, yeah. right? And then, uh, um, and then I, I brewed so much. I think there was batches that I brewed that I just dumped down the drain. Yeah. I never even got them in the keg because yeah. I, was, I was just so into brewing. And it was, ironically enough, it felt like to me, like if I put her down for a nap and I mashed in, she would nap longer. <laughs> I don't I don't know why, but it, maybe it was just a smell of the yeah. barley and all that side yeah. of it in the house, right? But so I could actually get a full batch in and turn out. Nice. So like you know, sometimes I had to chill it out. Sometimes that's still transferred by the we, end. We had to uh, put a stop to that. Sean is not allowed just to mash in and then dump it down no, the drain anymore. It's not okay. That it's was an old okay. thing. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, so I'm at home. I'm brewing like crazy, having fun, loving life. Family's there. Like it, it was a really good time in my life, right? And. Uh, the parental leave came to an end and uh, talking with my boss and uh, I'm like, Hey, you know, like going to come back to work in a couple, a couple weeks, you know, like we're still on track for everything. He's like, no, I moved the office to Brockville. <laughs> and I was like, okay, oh. like something you could have told me a long time ago. Right. And I was pretty frustrated. Like the job that I worked in before this, I wasn't happy there to begin with. I, I put 10 years into that place and I, I don't think they really cared that I was there for 10 years. Um, and literally got, I got off the phone with them, pulled out Facebook and saw the post for here. Oh, cool. It was literally in a 20 minute period. I got off the phone yeah. and then seeing a post that you guys were hiring a brewery. Nice. And, and it was just one of those things where I was like, oh, I know, like I'm going to dive into this and, and I'm, I'm going to go hard. And thankfully, like my wife was super supportive. I think it's because she just didn't want me maybe, to talk maybe about brewing anymore. Maybe she saw like, if he does this, he will stop talking. Exactly. I, I think that's exactly yeah. what it was. Like, I don't even care if they pay you nothing. Just leave the house and go do it somewhere <laughs> else. Right. So, um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of the story up until yeah. now. We I, had quick fire with Chris and now we've had stories with Sean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you might remember this. I don't. Yeah. Um, what was your first WBC brew? Sure, yeah. And so tell us, And tell us about it. Um, I think that uh, the very first beer that I brewed here was, I'm pretty sure that it was Whistling Patrick. Because it was a beer that I gravitated towards right away when I was here, which ironically enough, I think the reason I remember that because the first 
main beer we brewed at Lakeside yep. was Whistling Paddle. Yep. And I, I remember when we did that, I was like, I think that that was the first one I brewed here too. Um, but I think the first beer that I'd want to say anything about, to be honest, was uh, we did a Hellesbach here. Yeah. That was the first time where I was like, guys, I want to make this beer. Like, I'm good. I can do it. I swear I can do it. And that was the first time you guys, I'd be like, well, send that, John. And let's do that, right? And I remember... Uh, we, no, I, forgot. I, I, I completely remember that. Yeah. I, I had forgotten about it. And I remember because, you know, we don't have fermentation control on other sides. Like, we do now. We do yeah. now, right? But we didn't back then, right? Yeah. And I remember uh, again. Yeah, we, we and what Sean means is like we didn't have anywhere to control the temperature. We just had two rooms at different temperatures, yeah. and we would literally wheel the fermenters between the rooms to try and control the temperature. For sure. Now we're a little bit more high tech. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Hey, it worked though. That's right? what like, we had to do. Yeah. It worked. We never had too many issues with it on that side. Mm-hmm. But uh, I the reason I remember that beer specifically one because I was like, this is my first commercial beer, like my first commercial beer. My recipe, I can do it. We're gonna actually sell it here. So excited about it. I think I held a growler in that back shelf of that fridge for like a year and a half. It <laughs> sat there and I was going to see all this ages. Um, but the reason I remember it is because we didn't have fermentation control, yeah. right? And we needed to have a lager, right? Yeah. So I, I got this specific yeast that could be a little bit hotter ran. Yeah. And we literally were pushing it from the fridge to the fermentation, the fridge to the fermentation. Yeah. Like every like 12 to 14 hours, yeah. we were just like running it back and forth, keeping it at this optimal temperature. And that beer turned out great. Like it was, and that would have been when we were great. messaging each other. I mean, I don't remember that specific time, but yeah. I remember messaging like, can you move this from this position to yeah. this position? Like, <laughs> sure, yeah. And leaving notes like this needs to move into this room at this yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, just leaving notes for everybody else yeah. at the time. And uh, but it was, it was super fun times, right? Like I think it's uh, the, the one the one great thing that I think that I can say about the whole time that I've been at Whitewater and a lot of it has to do with it. It's still being my large passion in life is that even back in those days when it was super stressful and I had, I had, you know, no sleep and I had just had a baby, but it's never felt like work. Even in those times, it's never felt like work. And even, even to this day, it's never felt like work. Well, I remember like, I I think, uh, having had your, and you just had your first child when you started? I did. Yeah. Yeah, You just just had had your first. And I, I think that played into our favor because sometimes you would show up at like, 4 a.m. No, for sure, yeah. Instead of 6. For because sure. Because you were up anyway. Yeah. And yeah. you'd put her back to sleep. And then it's like, well, I may as well go to work. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> sure I'm sure Carrie will kill me for saying this. But there was times where, like, I would wake up at 2 with her, right? Yeah. And it's Carrie's time to sleep. That's fine, yeah. right? And I would get up. And, and I was a little colicky when she was young. So she wouldn't let us put her down at all, right? So I would sit there and I'd rock her for a good hour and a half. I'd finally get her back to bed. And I'd be like, am I going to work now? She can't wake me back up. And I would literally <laughs> just get in the car. I, I would leave it like quarter to 3 a.m. and I would drive here and I would just like smash in, right? It's uh, Sorry, but it, it did work out well. Yeah, was, <laughs> she's, she's excited to see this, so I'm sure she'll she'll shake her finger at me a little bit. Yeah. But uh, it all worked out in the end, right? I think awesome. that I think that we're all we're all super happy as a sure. family, so it's great. That's awesome. Um, what do you consider your biggest success at WBC so far? Oh, I think it's twofold. I think that uh, I think that uh, my, my largest success is obviously just getting that large system operational. And, and that, that has been a succession of, of you know, almost years, right? Of, of really just trying to hammer in a consistency. It's, 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 it's something that no one ever tells you when you go into the commercial side of things. And especially when you go into a, a company that's as hungry as we are for growth and, and, and really just being out there is that 
the animal never stops. Right. Right. So you have to kind of get in this mindset of, you know, how do I make sure that the beer is always flowing out of those tanks? Right. And it's, it's a very different mindset. Some that doesn't come from manufacturing as a whole, where they're very used to those types of yeah. things. Right. And, and also like you, you talk craft brewing. For sure. Right. This is kind of the epitome of craft where we started on our Riverside system. For sure. Where it is as hands on as physically possible. Yeah, oh yeah. Zero automation. Not like you're cool. you're adjusting levers to adjust temperatures. For right? sure. Yeah. Exactly. Um growing all the way up to our system now where it's still not heavily automated. Yeah. Yeah, we can help with temperatures a little bit. There's That's, pumps, there's pumps, pumps yeah. help, right? This is we're not physically good. pouring everything. <laughs> yeah, but sure. you know, you go through that process and every step of growth has been learning because Neither of us were in commercial brewing before this yeah. company. So, of course not. so that's kind of It's cool. an interesting thing, too, where, you know, obviously, uh, when I first came on here, we, you know, we, like, obviously, Lakeside was in the forefront. Like, we were talking about it, and it was, yep. was going to happen at some point, right? And, and we had those conversations. And I remember having conversations with yourself uh, and Chris and, and, you know, you guys telling me, like, well, yeah, but it's, it's good that you're here. Like, you need to be working on this thing and, and see what we used to be. Right. And uh, it's something that people don't get now. Right? Well, like, and we, I, I hear you now telling your brew team yeah. about times down here. And, sure. and now that we've upgraded the system and if there's challenges, like, yeah, but you for have sure. no idea. This is easy. Well, that's it. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and going through, you know, that kind of year and a half grind that I had out here where, you know, like when, and, and we won, like we won with yeah. it. Right. And I think that was the biggest part is that we could make something that was so physically labor intensive and it just was at times, but you know, Again, the reason why one of our core values is fun, right, is just the fact that we have to keep it fun because yep. this can be a grind. It just can be. And that's, you know, it's the biggest misconception about brewing is that people are like, this is a fun job. I'm going to come here and have fun. Like, we're going to drink beer all day long. We're going to it's going to be so great. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's a brewery. It's... You must drink all day. Well, that's it. And then, then they show up and they're like, you mean we don't drink at all? I'm like, no, and, it's and work. We, we we're really working. don't. <laughs> But uh, I think that, you know, it, it's finding the right individuals where you have that passion. I think that's, you know, no matter no matter how it ends up being, just like, you know, the other day where we had to finish off the 12 packs, yep. the 12 packs of Christmas, right? It's like, okay, well, we need to get this through. It's let's, not going to happen. Let's go through the night. Let's just do it, right? <laughs> and, and, you know, get a, a nice hungry group of people with me and, you know, literally start at 11 p.m. and, yep. you know, finish at, you know, 5 in the morning and, and love every minute of it, right? So. For sure. Um, before we go on to the next question, my beer is empty. You're almost finished, but I feel like you're just being polite. Oh, it's true. Um, so I'm going to pick the next one and I always like drinking IPAs followed by stouts. Cool. Um, I've never had an espresso IPA followed by a peanut butter stout. It's true. That's two so, very unique beers, right? Right. So <laughs> I'm interested to see how that goes. That makes sense. Um, I think I'm actually going to go to the wild bog. I think cool. that's, uh, you know, I'd be interested to see even just on the coffee side, how that'll meld with the cranberries. Yeah. I, think that's I, I was told between those two as well. Um, already just licking my finger, I feel, uh, <laughs> I feel I like it. It's, it's got a bit of sweetness to it. I can't For figure sure. out this box. You can tell I'm not on the package. They're just meant to be open and drank and shot, Chris, you know? <laughs> Well, we don't ask Chris for help all the time. It's all, it's all, it's all. It'd be interesting to see though how um, you know just that back flavor you have of the espresso melding in with that peanut, right? Because I, I think that you know 
peanut and uh, espresso. It's good for Chris. You did, you did well, well on that one. I'm just saying. Did you see the first one? Because <laughs> you pulled yours perfectly, and I did, I think, worse than this one. Um, yeah, Chris has got a good half a glass of, of foam on there. It's, it's yeah. a good one. It's a good one. Now that we've uh, butchered that process, um, well, thanks to a perfectly timed video editing cut, I have my perfectly poor beer and my well-organized white water collection. I feel like you were overcompensating with that poor Chris. I'm just saying it. <laughs> it took that long that I had to keep coming up. Um, so yeah, I'm drinking peanut butter shake. Yep. Yep. I'm still drinking this wild bog, which is super tasty. What I really like about the peanut butter shake is, for me, it brings good diversity into our lineup. Like it's not a beer I would have three or four of. For sure. But I don't think we have many beers where there's one that you would only have one of. And that could sound like a bad thing, but I think it's great. Like it's it's a really great dessert beer. For sure. Uh, it's got really big, bold peanut flavors, tiny bit of sweetness. Yeah. And uh, I think it balances other beers really well. It's a nice contrast to an IPA or something like that. For sure. Um, so I'm really happy with it. I like it. Yeah, I think the big thing about the uh, peanut butter shake is, is I think when you get that love-hate relationship with the beer, is that a lot of people are are probably drinking it like it's every other beer, yep. if that makes sense, right? Where this is like, if you're drinking this as a dessert beer or a nightcap or, or those type of things, it's a great beer for that, right? Yep. It, 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 it's, it's so bold. It's so, it's so you know, in your face yep. and it's so palate filling that it's just, it's a really nice beer. Yeah, absolutely. So back to stories with Sean. Um, what is your scariest or most intimidating brew moment? Mm. That's a good one. I'll pick from the 700. You know, I can <laughs> think of. Um, There's a few I can think of that you might go with. So yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, the 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 worst moments, I think, especially in the beginning, which again goes back to the times where no one tells you what being a commercial brewer is. Mm -hmm. no, one, no one tells you that job because it doesn't exist. It's just, yeah. it's what we deal with. Um, it, you know, it's the fact that, you know, well, yeah, you have to brew beer, but you also have to be an electrical engineer and, and you have to be you know, a chemical engineer <laughs> and you have to be, you know, an HVAC specialist yeah. and, and all of these type of things. Um, but probably the scariest moment that I can think of is uh, when, you know, failure happens, right? Um, and uh, the, the funniest failure moment that I can think of is the very first batch that we brewed at Drakeside. Yeah. So um, I'm not sure if anybody knows, but uh, if, when you order grain in large portions, you get to know what's called a tote. And it's a thousand kilograms of whatever. whatever big, grain big sack. Big, big, usually. It's probably about four feet by four feet, about the yeah. size of a skin, right? Yeah. And they stand about, you know, maybe four feet tall. Um, the very first time we brewed, we're like, okay, like how do people normally use those things? Like, oh, okay, like we, you know, you normally pick them up and they have a chute on the bottom of them, right? So it's like, okay, well, we'll just pick it up and we'll open this chute and we'll just <laughs> fill this garbage can. And I completely off, forgot right? about this. Um, awesome. And uh, there was a point in time where we're like, yeah, this is working well. It's like, okay, it's, it's going through. And then you think you can stop that? Not a chance. <laughs> yeah. Not a chance Once at it's all. It's going, it's going. So we've got 300 kilograms of barley on the floor. <laughs> uh, and, and then not only that though right so it's like okay like we're, we're dealing with that it's fine we're gonna lose some barley first batch there's, there's got to be some losses yeah. right 
Um, and then we're like, okay, well, we got to mill this off. So the first thing we're like, okay, well, we just open the mill and, you know, there's, yep. a, there's a hopper on the top. Essentially, it looks like any hopper does. And then you fill that with, with barley. And then there's a little chute that you open up that feeds that to the mill. That mill mills into the augers. The augers bring it up. Us not knowing, because we've never done this before. It's like, okay, we just open it up. Yep. So we open it up fully. Mill jams instantly. So we've got, we've got 300 kilograms of, <laughs> of barley on the floor. We've got a jam mill. Never had to deal with any of that before. Yeah. That's, 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 that's definitely probably nice. one of the, the scariest moments, that's especially, one. especially since I'm the one in charge yeah. of all this. So, sure. you know, I've got my two bosses here, looking here, at here, me like, yeah, here I was at the time <laughs> looking for Sean for the expertise exactly. on that stuff. And uh, we've got grain all over the floor and a jam mill. And it's like, ooh, a good first crew. We're, we're, we're doing it, guys. We're doing it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, you know, it's, it went as smoothly as an 18-hour brew day could go to fill one batch I, in I, one I, so I, I didn't think that you were maybe going to go with that one. I, I was thinking that a good one might have been the fire. Um, the but, fire I try to block out of my yeah. mind as much as humanly possible. Because... The, you know what the best part about the fire was? It was the best part for me, right? So uh, obviously, like I'm at home at that point. This is you know we had a, we had a fire at the brewery, and uh, I'm messaging my staff and going, "Okay, what's going on here? What's going on there?" And then you know everything went dead, and I'm like, "Okay, well we have things to do. I need to know what's going on." So I phone. Yep. No one answers. I phone a couple more times. No one answers. And I'm like, "Okay, well screw this. I'm phoning uh, Adam, which was an employee we had uh, back then." And I'm like, he'll answer. I know he will, right? So he answers the phone and he's sounding a little distressed. And I'm like, hey man, like, take a breath. Like, what's going on? He's like, the brewery's on fire. I'm like, okay. <laughs> is this a fire that we can put out? He's like, well, I don't know. Like the fire department's here now. I'm like, okay, this is a serious fire. Yeah. So uh, I'm like, okay, well, what's going on? Like, where's everybody? And he's explaining the situation. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I'm like, that's great. I'm like, who's there? He's like, you know, mentioned some people. I'm like, Steve's there. He's like, yeah, Steve's there, but he's kind of busy. I'm like, okay. So I think that I called Sav, which uh, your wife, Savannah. Um, and I was like, hey, did you know that there's a fire at the brewery? Or maybe maybe he didn't answer. It's been, it's been a while now. So I remember I was in British Columbia. Yeah. And we were just about to start selling out there and launch Legion Lager in BC. And you were coming out in a few days. Yeah. And I was already out there. And I picked up the phone to you. I was just having lunch. And you said, has anyone told you yet? Yeah. And I was like, oh, this isn't good. <laughs> no. But all was good. Everything got fixed and, uh, and sold. So no, no fires no, since then. No yeah. fires since then. I'm not saying we don't have like a number counter on the wall, but in my head, it's, you know, it's, it's been this many days it's, since we yeah. had a fire. It's been 950 <laughs> days since, since the last fire. Um, okay, next question. Um, what does it mean on a personal level to win four medals at the Ontario Brewing Awards? That's a good question. This is coming off the back of uh, two more medals this year and yeah. two last year. Yeah, so I think that uh, the ones that we won last year, um, like the first thing that hit me on that was like, oh, this is an awesome, it's super motivational. It's, you know, my staff worked really hard and it's good to see some progression through those things internally in my own head, you know, I'm thinking like, okay, well, like, I, I didn't make the recipes for these beers, right? right? Like I brought them over, we scaled them up. We, yeah. we, I've refined the recipes as we've gone. We've made the beer what it is today. And that's great. But you're right. Uh, we were brewing for the viewers that don't know, farmer's daughter and class five IPA won yeah. gold medals at the Ontario Brewing Awards two years ago. Yeah. 
and those were our original beers, so we were brewing them before Sean started. Yeah. And he's done a lot with the recipes, so he's not doing himself justice, but I get what he means. For they sure. weren't his original recipes. I, I didn't start them, right? Yeah. And, that's just, and that's just, I guess that's the brewer and every brewer, right? Yeah. Where you're like, oh, you know, like I started with a baseline, and you, and you, yeah. go, and you go from there. And that's you made changes and tweaks rather than creating. Well, and it's, it's a very yeah. difficult thing to take, you know, a 50-liter batch. Yeah. It makes 7,000 liters right. so some tweaks have to sure. happen to make it in line. Yeah. Um, but this year is probably one of my proudest moments as a commercial brewer because, you know, um, both recipes that did win, which would have been uh, Legion Lager won a bronze, yep. um, I think, which was super unexpected. And then uh, Blood Moon, which is our Blood Orange Sour, won gold. Yep. And I think both of those, especially the sour side of it, was something that, you know, I've never really done a lot of. It took a lot of struggle and hardship to understand how we brew sours in a brewery that you don't want anything to be sour in. Yep. Um, but those were those were the first two beers on a commercial level that I had won awards for that were my recipe. I started those, I created those, and I, and I moved forward with them. And uh, yeah, it was it was it was it was really nice to to see. I guess just a little bit more of a recognition side of things um, for for the work that I've done. Yeah, absolutely, okay. and uh, yeah, big. Shout out to the rest of the brew team for and sure. Sean. Congratulations on yeah. the uh, amazing beers you guys continue to brew. Well, uh, especially when it comes to the you know both of those beers, which are hard beers to make, right? Like yeah. A lager takes longer than it normally yeah. should, and then the sour side of it takes longer, and you add fruit. And also, <laughs> like the lager category is as competitive as it gets. For sure. Like well, and, then, that and New England IPA right now are the two most well, competitive categories. Probably, and, and the so. brewery that was right ahead of us in the silver was uh, Steam Whistle. Steam Whistle. Right? So which is like, like that's 30 years quintessential, of an amazing check log. Well, qu like, quintessential, yeah, right? Like yeah. it's, 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 it's a pretty nice place to be. Absolutely. Awesome. Why don't you tell us how the brew team goes through the research and development R&D process for creating a new beer, new product? Sure. Um, so in a, in a general sense, uh, you know, normally it all starts with an idea. Um, the idea can come from really anywhere. Um, most of the time it's an idea of a style that the market has demand for. So, so you know, I think it's another part of, of brewing that no one really understands when you get the commercial side of it is my opinion really doesn't matter. <laughs> what I want to brew really doesn't matter because, yep. yeah, I'll buy it. And if I could have enough money to support your whole brewery, Chris, I think that I would help you with that. Um, but yeah, so once we have that idea, normally I'll take that, uh, I'll take that, you know, style, flavor, whatever, whatever we want to do. And I'll, I'll, I'll take that down to like a research perspective. So normally I will research the style or I'll research those flavors, try to figure out how to make those flavors in, integral to a beer. Um, from that point, I'm either figuring out the style or figuring out the other side of it. Um, and then we come up with our baseline recipe. Um, we've been in a very luxurious position so far that we really don't have a pilot system to go through. So I normally send the first batches off at about 3,500 liters. Yeah. Um, which just, is just to put it in perspective, <laughs> that's like 7,000 cans minimum. So, so it, the good part about it is it stresses me out so much that I actually have to make it perf yep. per perfection the first go, yep. but it helps. Get it right. <laughs> it's but you don't have any other options, right? So uh, and it doesn't saying, need to be perfect, but not it needs, we have had to ups be and downs. Good. Yeah, we've had ups and downs with it, but I don't think we've ever had one that came across on a new on a new skew that wasn't it's fine, yeah. right? Sometimes it's a little too bitter, or it's a little too sweet, or it needs a little bit more of this, a little more of that flavor, right? Um, but yeah, so once I've done the recipe side of it, um, I try to be part of brand new brews every single time. Um, 
I think it's another component that we don't have to talk about now, but you know, as you become more and more in the brewmaster role, you actually step away from being on the floor and yeah. doing the things that you love, right? So it's it's, it's a little a little hardship there, but it's, uh, it's Sean's nice way of saying he doesn't have to shovel out the spank rain. It's true anymore. It's true. No one, no one, no one misses that. <laughs> um, yeah. So once it's been kind of pushed to the manufacturing production side of things, it's really up to my staff to kind of use their capabilities and, and their professional knowledge to kind of make sure that we're hitting the marks as we're going across the way, be it, you know, we have gravity is sugar content that dictates the, the alcohol content final, be it uh, flavors coming across in the pre-production phase, um, you know, carbonation, flavorings, if there are some, yeah. and really having that kind of longer process in a first beer to come through to make sure that what comes out in the end, we've taken our due diligence and made sure that yeah. it can taste like a craft beer. For sure. What was the uh, most recent beer we went through that process? In? Um, so that would have been High Tide. Yep. Yeah, High Tide would have been probably one of the most difficult beers that I've ever R and D. I think that that's a very you know uh, people that don't un don't know about High Tide. Uh, it's it's a New England IPA. So New England IPA is a very uh, hazy, soft mouth feel, full of hops beer, but there's no bitterness to it. Yep. You wanted to have, and, and that's and that's the big difference. Like traditionally. All IPAs had a lot of bitterness because they're packed full of hops. And For you sure. know, more recently, things have developed and they're less bitter, but they're still quite bitter. Like there's sure. still 40, 50 IBUs. In your normal range of people that enjoy don't enjoy bitterness, yeah. would still be off that scale. Right. right? So Whereas High Tide, the New England IPA, is 10 IBUs. So that's like half the bitterness of Farmacore. Yeah. So a completely different concept for IPAs, generally. Of course it is. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that goes to why the style has been blowing up a lot because you're kind of starting to blur these lines now yeah. between IPA drinkers love it, yeah. non-IPA drinkers love it yeah. because you're kind of getting the best well, of both like, worlds. Like I already so. know people, my wife Savannah included, who do not generally like IPAs because of the bitterness. Of course, yeah. And she loves this because you've got all that juicy, fruity flavor and aroma. For sure without the bitterness. So it, it's a cool uh, dynamic. Personally, I like I love New England IPAs. I still love bitter IPAs. I like black sure. coffee too. And yeah. you know, but um, I'm, I'm in the same boat as well. Like I, I, I enjoy real IPAs. And I know yeah. that, that, that's a point of contention with people, but let's I, go with I, tradition. <laughs> but I, I like I like IPAs that have, you know, a little bit of malt character. Yeah. They have like a lot of bitterness to back that up. And they're yeah. very well balanced beers. They're yeah. not they're not thin and, and yellow and, and all the other terms, which, you know, that's just my personal preference. Yeah. And, and mine too. I mean, my, my long-standing favorite beer that we brew is Class 5 IPA, um, traditional style, like English IPA, malty and bitter and hoppy. Yeah, for sure. Um, similar to two other Ontario beers. I'll give shout-outs to them. Muskoka Mad Tom and Amsterdam uh, Bone Shaker. Slightly different, but same style, and they're the two others that really hold up that category. For sure, and it's it's a small category now. It is. There's not a lot like, of people holding up that beer anymore. Right? I can't so, think of many others. No, neither can I. But they're neither two like amazing beers in that same category, and right. I, I think Class Five really holds. And up. then kudos to us and the two of them for those type of it because yeah. it's not easy being some of the sole people holding up a style that's yeah. dying, right? Yeah. It, it is a very dying style, but yeah. at least we have the, the luxury of knowing there's people that love those beers. Yeah, there's people absolutely. that are always going to drink those beers, and we know that that brand loyalty 
or that style loyalty is kind of just consistent across the board, right? So, note for all you watchers and listeners, if you like Mad Tom, Bone Shaker, or Class 5 IPA, you've now got two others that you might like. So, Agreed. there you go. Um, speaking of R&D and uh, sort of creation of products, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about how we got into gin? Sure. Um, and uh, what we're doing there. Yeah, so I think that uh, we got into gin because Chris likes gin. No. Yep. Um, <laughs> and I'm English and gin's an English thing. And, uh, it sure is, yeah. Everyone else wanted different spirits. And I was like, no, it has to be gin. Yeah, so gin, gin was an interesting, you know, I don't know if pivots the word because we're still doing our thing, right? But it, it's definitely an interesting sidestep for what we're doing. Diversification. Right? I agree. I agree. And I think that uh, spirits is always something that's on everybody's mind when it comes to making alcoholic beverages as a whole, right? I think that's, you know, it, it's a progression. It, it makes sense to move those ways. Um, it's uh, it's something that I think that really diversifies us, like you said. You know, I think that it allows us that, that pit where we aren't are. Um, yeah, I mean, I think based on that, like, what we want to do is create great products for people uh, to enjoy and create memorable experiences throughout that. And beer is a great avenue for that. For sure. Um, but it's limited. Yeah. And we added in our brew pubs, so food is a great avenue for that, but it's limited. And this is just another way we can reach more people and show sure. more creativity. Yeah, and I think that, you know, um, it'll, it'll be a, a very interesting thing when we get to the point of, you know, taking that distillation in-house and being able to do a more diversified portfolio on it, right? Sure. Um, I, I don't know how many people know what we're doing with the spirits right now, but obviously we're, you know, we're, we're using a, you know, a partner distillery that, you yep. know, we very much uh, trust and we think yep. that they do a great job of what they do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, I think that, you know, the R&D process that we did on the gin was a pretty, you know, as in-depth as you could have really have gone in, into that R&D process where I, I don't even think I've ever drank that much straight spirits. <laughs> yeah, in for, my for, for those of you that don't know, and you would only really know if you've been to one of our amazing brewers or distillers dinner at the, the brewery in Cobden. Um, so yeah, like Sean said, we partnered with the brewery, uh, sorry, a distillery in Ontario, and we really started working on recipe development and uh it's all with the end goal of bringing our distilling in-house and creating a distillery but we needed some track record and some proof of concept and we worked with this amazing distillery that already is in existence and we went through 20 to 30 different recipes of gin making minor tweaks and sipping on them through the winter and it was really challenging for sean and i you know to show up at work at 9 a.m. and have to sip on five different gins. It's true. I, I don't understand why you always made me drink gin at 10 a.m. Yeah. I just I don't understand that side of it. In it. It helped make the day productive. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It, was, it was it was it was a good time. It was very well, interesting. It's one of the tough tough areas of the job. But that's so true. so that's going. We launched Paperboat Gin um, in the LCBO, and uh, it's a really easy drinking non-offensive style gin great in a variety of cocktails so uh, we'll talk more on that later but if you haven't tried it yet you can do so at the brewery in Cobden or uh, available in the LCBO um, also if you like cocktails gin based cocktails especially then make sure to watch our cocktails and dreams episodes on YouTube 
where you have myself, sometimes a special guest, uh, shaking up some cocktails. Um, moving on and in closing, Sean, uh, sure. what can we expect from the brew team next? Oh, wow. <laughs> What's coming? What's down the pipeline? Just right on the spot. Yeah. Eh? Let's give a sneak peek yeah. for uh, people. That makes sense. The, that uh, makes sense. I think that uh, obviously, you know, like High Tide's very new and we haven't had uh, a massive amount of production on it outside. So that's going to be coming. I think we talked about that a bit, so that's fine. I think that uh, the next thing, the next latest, greatest thing I think that people will see is a uh, beer that is going to be called Low Hanging Fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be another sour that we're coming out with. Um, some of you may have had the luxury, if you're in the Ottawa area, to uh, drink a similar style that was at Craft Beer Market, yep. um, a very colorful sour. Um, but this is going to be our uh, pomegranate and black currant, or chassis, yep. if, if you if you call it that, um, sour, which is uh, a very fruit-forward sour. Um, it's definitely a little more bold on the fruit side of it, where with you know Blood Moon and, uh, and Wild Bog, we definitely are, you know, Increasing those levels, even, even from a color perspective, right? This sure. is your sort of yellowy golden color. Yeah, for the wild bog. Um, yeah, for wild bog and blood moon, similar, a little bit more clear, and then the the uh, low hanging fruit, black currant pomegranate, is uh, has much more of a pinky purple hue. For sure, and it'll be a much more aggressively colored one as well. Yeah. That's our goal. Like obviously, uh, you know, we haven't started pumping it out yet, so mm-hmm. we can't really comment on the exact color, yeah. but. The goal for myself and the seller team, the seller team is pretty stoked about this beer and they're like, but Sean, it has to be colored. It yeah. has to be. Yeah. And I'm like, well, let's make it colored then, you know? And it's, it's, it's really about making sure that they're, uh, they're doing the best they can on that. I think that the only other thing that I can think of that would be, uh, well, I think it's two things. Um, um, but uh, plan is to hopefully try to brew some more Jack Rabbit. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be an interesting thing. I think that uh, people were very interested in it and want to buy it on its own. Right now, only <laughs> available in the four pack. Only available. Hilarious story. On the weekend, uh, I was in the LCBO and found a four pack with two cans of Farmer's Delight. Oh, no! And I know <laughs> that we did not package that. No, no, that And didn't somebody had switched out a Jackrabbit for a Farmer's Daughter in two four packs so that they could buy a four pack and take two Jackrabbits. Sneaky bugger. Yep. Sneaky bugger. Sneaky, but genius at the same time. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, I think there's demand for it, people that want for it. For sure. And, uh, yeah, you can expect maybe that coming in single cans for a small limited batch in the new year. For sure. The only other uh, teaser that I can think of right now is there are some plans for some more icebreaker. Yeah, I think that's something that uh, people that enjoy that beer should probably start keeping an eye out. Maybe there'll be some icebreakers sooner than they think, and I think that'll be. I, a I got good one beer. other thing though. So icebreaker is actually, oh, I, I say this quite frequently now, but one of my favorite beers. Uh, <laughs> They're all our favorites. Yeah. You can't pick between um, your children. It's just weird. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, but we're down at Riverside here in a sure. socially distant uh, podcast set. Um, why don't you let the viewers know what we're going to be doing down here in the new year? Sure. Yeah. So I think that uh, the, the first couple of things that we're planning on doing here are obviously beers that we've just never done before. I think that's the whole point. We actually have a little pilot system going. Goal is definitely to delve a little more into uh, some IPAs that maybe aren't traditional yep. um i think that that might be one of the 
the best spots to, to start. And I think, but I think that I really want to push the envelope on beers that we've never really made. Yep. I think that uh, one of the beers that I want to make almost right away, and maybe it won't be right in January, is you know we, we've had conversations and talks about doing a Doppelbach. I mm-hmm. think that's something that I really want to push forward. I also feel like uh, we want to do a rye IPA for a very long time, nice. and that's going to be there. Um, and then the beer that I think everybody wants, especially locally, is I just want to bring back some ambers. Yeah. I think that ambers is just something I, that's just I was just talking thriving, to one of my friends know? recently about, he, he mentioned amber, and I was like, you know what else I really like? It's like a honey brown. Yeah, and yeah, I agree. They're so rare these days. But I when I first came to Canada and I was living out west, it was like honey brown was my well, that was it. My nine dollar yeah. pitcher of choice. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure, I agree. And I think that I think that one thing that I think I would tell like long time whitewater drinkers, maybe not long time listeners, right? Um, is I really want to just make sure we go through every single old style we usually make here. Yeah, you know. Um, you know, get Let's, some yeah. rhubarb wheat back yeah. in here, get some For ginger sure. wheat back in here, and, and it's going to be short runs. Yeah. It's not going to be a huge thing, you know, but it would be, you know, keep your eye out and make sure you're watching so that, you know, when those do come up, you can come and maybe come and grab a growler of, of, of rhubarb wheat that you and, haven't and, had in three that, and a half and years. And that's what I was getting yeah. So I didn't want something <laughs> specific, but for those that don't know, uh, we're back down at Riverside year-round. We're brewing every week down here. Um some unique stuff, some old stuff, uh, just to bring some more variety to what we're doing, as For well sure. as all the amazing big batch uh, brews we do up in Cobden. Um, so we'll have a, a, you know, come January, we'll be releasing some short run different beers on sure. a, certainly a monthly basis, um, which will be available to you, but in very limited quantities. We're talking hundreds of cans as opposed to thousands. So yeah. If you see something you like, there will be a short window together. Um, okay, um, that's it for the list, which is which is pretty great. I'm going to uh, just go over some housekeeping things with you viewers and <laughs> listeners right now. Um, I'm recording here. It's mid-December. This podcast is going live on, I believe, December 23rd. So happy Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve. Um, for those people, you like that? <laughs> I like it. It was good. That's uh, it was good. It was good. I took that on. My Is it day I celebrate yeah. often? I'm just that, saying. That, you know? That's out of my dad's playlist. <laughs> he also goes with his birthday, Christmas Eve, or birthday Boxing Day. <laughs> oh yeah, birthday which is in June, day. just yeah, to be okay. clear. Okay. okay. So um, yeah. But uh, for those of you watching and listening, and it's still December, if you're looking for New Year's Eve plans, we have a fantastic COVID-friendly. New Year's Eve planned at our Lakeside Brewery in Cobden. We have a great selection of steaks that aren't typically available on our menu. Um, I don't know what the full list is, but I know it includes a porterhouse steak, for example. So that's planned for New Year's Eve. Tickets are alive already as of December 23rd for sure, Um, but very limited quantity due to COVID, so please get online and book right now if you haven't already and you want to come. Go to our Facebook page um, or shopwhitewater.ca uh, for more information on tickets and everything Whitewater generally. Otherwise, that's all from us. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks to Sean, Sean Goddard, our no brewmaster. No problem, it was um, fun. 
How long's it been? Five and a half years now. Yeah, five and a half. Yeah, awesome. five and a half years of whitewater. Yeah. yeah. So that's uh, that's a great benchmark and great uh, achievement in itself. Um, thank you everyone for watching and or listening. Um, this is episode two of our monthly podcast, and uh, we look forward to growing this and having you all tune in more often. Uh, please. Like, subscribe, set notifications, do all that fancy YouTube podcast stuff. Through the bells, um, just like right underneath Chris. Yeah, like click here, click here, <laughs> click here. Um, Savannah's going to love that in editing. We're on YouTube, we're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks again, everyone. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, no worries. Thanks Cheers. for having me. Cheers.